Hey listeners, an update on programming this week. We are dropping this episode today on Monday, and then we'll have another for you on Wednesday about Christology. Since it's Holy Week, we figured that would be a quality episode to give to you this week. And then we'll have another one for you on Friday about the Silmarillion to get you into kind of a a good fantasy vibe for your Holy Weekend. And we'll be back with regular podcasts on Monday. But wanted to give you the update that we're going to have some extra stuff this week. So enjoy this episode of what the hell's a pastor thanks do you want to talk about what do you want to talk about today do you have a thought um i don't have a i don't have a specific thought um it's kind of it's kind of hard because a lot of the typical stuff we do we're not really we're sort of not doing right now yeah. like visitation and and some of the other stuff i mean it's not that we're not working but it's just a different kind of thing but uh, no, I could talk about our days and see what comes up. Okay, that sounds like a plan. Comforter and counselor, administrator and teacher, spirit led, truth seeker, minister and janitor, prophet, preacher, servant, leader. Welcome to What the Hell is a Pastor, a podcast about life in set-apart ministry. Each week, we sit down to talk about our experiences and challenges as pastors doing small-town ministry during uncertain times. Join us as we try to figure out what the hell it is that pastors do and how to do it as best we can. So how was your week? My week was... um the same as the last 47 weeks of quarantine that we're on. <laughs> I believe, I believe it's week 47. Uh, it feels that way. Um, I did a lot of phone calls. That's kind of my main thing I do right now, other than frantically try to prepare for Holy week and try to figure out how that's going to work. Yeah. I also, which is who boy. Uh, I'm also, uh, I'm just trying to call people and try to communicate with people as best I can. Um, uh, Folks often tell me and are quick to tell me that not everybody has access to the internet, which I think is, which I know, like, absolutely. I understand this. I'm a little limited, however, um, since I can't physically be around people. Um, and so I'm trying to call and I'm trying to communicate in way in other ways, understanding that not everybody can get online and, and, and kind of see online worship or, or whatever. Um, and I'm, and I'm reminded, you know, this is always the caveat listeners. We of course love our congregations. We do. That's not always something that comes out because this is the, the in this podcast we get to vent and rant a little bit yeah but we love our congregants and i love mine and uh i'm routinely surprised uh and shocked by 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 boomers <laughs> <laughs> who like i don't know like like think that the whole world is an applebee's 
you know, and, and, and they can, and if they just complain loud enough to the right person, um, they'll get a new meal or, or they'll get a, a deduction in their bill. Like, like, I, I don't know. And so I got, I got chewed out this past week by two boomers in my congregation um, for uh, the economy and their internet. Oh, okay. like they yelled at me for both those things. My internet's too slow. Well, I don't know what to tell you? I can't help you, lady. Look around, Pastor. Everything's shutting down. Like, yeah, well, that happens. And now, were they yelling directly at me? Probably not. They were. They were also venting, which I understand. But uh, they were. They were also yelling at me. Like they were. They also would have been totally okay if I fixed it right then and there. Right. Um, and, you know, it's just all, it's all very funny. I try to laugh at it anyway. I do my best to laugh at it. <laughs> Otherwise I'll, whew. but, but I, th I would say that the primary, like, like the thing that I did uh, the most of this week uh, was actually plan and like try to, to brainstorm and figure out, what we're like what we're doing for holy week because that's a lot like like that's you know kind of on the fly there's a couple of pastors in my conference who are putting together a pre-made video for good friday mm -hmm. and, and so today after we're done i'm, I'm going to record my section of that um and that's actually a big load off like perfect yeah. please Please put it together, send me the link, and I will put it up on, on Facebook for Good Friday. Thank God. Yeah. You know, th thank God I don't have to try to put together a Good Friday service, you know, by myself. But um, did I tell you, can I tell you a story? Did I tell you the story of my music director uh, recently? I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to tell you this story and then I'm going to pass it off to you because uh, I just need your reaction because this is amazing. All right. So uh, listeners, I don't ever have to worry about my music director listening to this because he doesn't approve of potty language like hell. And so he would <laughs> never type what the hell is a pastor in, into any device he has. Um but my music director, uh, I hired my music director, or SBRC hired with me uh, in 2018 uh, to replace, uh, on, on Easter of 2018, on Good Friday, we lost both our choir director and our organist. Our choir director quit on Good Friday, and our organist um, uh, got sick and, and never recovered. And, uh, and so I was like, oh. Well, that's sad, but secretly I was like, perfect, good, <laughs> yes, we can, we can mold the church into my own image. Um, <laughs> that did not work out in any way because I drastically underestimated um, the sheer amount of fear and laziness that my, that my SBRC at the time, you know, was in the grips of because no, we shouldn't advertise a job online that's how they get you i'm like that's how who gets who oh my put put the job online we're just going to put a polite request in the in the local newspaper well who reads a local newspaper everybody no that's not true 
Nobody. <laughs> You've no. got it backwards. <laughs> You've got it backwards. I read my Nobody. out of <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Everybody's like, did you see that advertisement? Did you see that thing in the progress the other day? And I, that's the name of the newspaper. And I, and I have to tell the same people every two months, no, I do not subscribe to the progress. Why? Because it is a waste of money. <laughs> I am not doing that. Anyway, Wait, that's the local journalism. Well, once it becomes legitimate journalism, I will support it. Um, <laughs> and not and not just uh, you know four people making shit up and then and publishing it uh, for six hundred people in an entire county to read. Um, anyway. That was the only place we advertised for a, a a music director. And so we got one person who applied, and it was my music director. And uh, let's call him because that's his name. And, uh, and, and is... Uh, Are you sure you don't want to use another name? Fine, fine. Let's call him Phil. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Phil... Uh, is in his late 40s he's got a couple of kids and a wife and he's a local guy he does he he taught he's a substitute teacher for music you know in some of the local schools and and has been uh doing music ministry at churches for a long time about 20 years he's got a master's degree hmm. and reading everything i was like wow reading his his, his resume i was like man why they? Why uh, he he used to? His most recent thing was he was a music director at the Presbyterian Church in the town over, which is a pretty big church. And I was like, wow, I wonder why he left, or I wonder why they were okay with him leaving or that letting him go. Well, when I met him, um, I've never met Piglet. He's Piglet from Winnie the Pooh. Um. <laughs> He's he got is. the voice, or he's got the person. He's kind of got everything going on, you know. <laughs> Piglet from Winnie the Pooh. If you ever get a chance to to catch my my last uh, Sunday stream, you know, on Facebook, you'd see him. He's there. Uh, he's a he's a nervous guy. He's nervous about everything. Like like he he has a real hard time with, you know, just kind of being present and and assertive and 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 all of that. And I scare the crap out of this guy. I don't know why, but I scare him. And and that started our very odd, and we hired him because he's the only one who applied. And that started our very uneasy relationship where I, you know, I try to talk to him like, okay, what what is your vision for the ministry? Well, let me tell you my vision for, for the church and for your ministry. And, and what do you think? What do you think about this? I defer to you. And I do defer to him because. You called him by his name. Oh crap! Uh, what do you want to do, Phil? <laughs> this is going to be too hard. What do you want to do, Phil? Like, like, what's your vision for ministry, Phil? All that good stuff. And uh, and you know, it's just a brick wall for uh, over a year now. And and he's he's you know, it's just it's just not great. He's not he's not great at the at the job. Um, we're paying him a lot of money for him to not be very great. Um, but whatever. So here's the story. That's the background. Here's the story. Um, 
as you know, Joe, pretty much everybody's bishop has shut everybody down. Right? Like there's no in-person services. So has the governors. There's no in-person services. There's no activities at the church. There, there's, there's stuff like that. Well, uh, last week, um, was it last week? Yeah, I guess last week, maybe the beginning of this week. Um, I look out the parking lot, uh, Phil's car is in the parking lot, which is fine. He works here. Like if he needs to run in and practice a thing or do a thing, man, that doesn't matter to me. I go into the office still. And so I have, I was taking trash out. So I, I walk out, put the trash in the dumpster and I smile and walk over to, uh, Phil. I'm never going to be able to do it. I walk over to Phil and, uh, and I was like, Hey, what are you up to? And he was like, oh, hi, Pastor Ethan. Um, well, I'm here to wait for some of my students. Some of your students? What do you mean? Well, you know, I, I'm still doing private lessons here at the church. And so I'm kind of get really quiet. And, and I'm like, well, when are they coming? They're going to be here in about 15 minutes. I have like three of them today. Okay. We'll cancel. <laughs> yep. 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 That's what uh, you Yeah. Cancel now. Call them and cancel. Call them and cancel. Phil, the bishop canceled everything. We're in a stay-at-home order. You should not be doing this. Oh, uh, uh. I, I'm sorry. I understand you're sorry. He says he's sorry like every five seconds. I understand you're sorry. I do. You know that this is happening though. What what made you think? And and I and I'm not I'm not yelling at him. I'm just I'm just like I'm obviously not happy, but like I'm not like, you know, I don't think I'm freaking out on him, but I'm we're standing in the middle of the parking lot and I'm asking him these questions. I was like, what exactly made you think that this was something that you could continue doing, even though we had to cancel everything else. I don't know. Like, okay, well, it's canceled. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I don't care. Just cancel it. I'm going back in my house. And that was that. <laughs> and, then I, and then I looked out and he's crying in the parking lot. Oh, no, Phil! <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. How do you I, I, be, because because what is he doing? Like you know what I mean? Like like everything that led up to that was was like horrible. Like like one bad wrong idea after another yeah. led up to um, uh, putting people in the church, their parents, the kids, and him. You know, somebody that now I interact with at least every Sunday because he and I are putting worship together. Like, like I, I didn't say all this to him, but I'm like, I'm not going to get sick. If you get sick uh, because, of, because of doing this and you get me sick, it's done. <laughs> We're over. <laughs> like, but, but, like, I don't have time for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that was my, that was my fun. I don't fully understand these people story. Like, it's not like I'm sitting around in my house, you know, in a corner and we're not seeing anybody. We're, 
we're still breaking the rules a little bit and and we see the same three people maybe once a week you know not all together mm-hmm. but like those are people that we know that we also know are not breaking quarantine right you know and and it's a little different i'm i'm not prepared to continue to widen that you know that's just ridiculous yeah I, um, my parallel story to that is Mm -hmm. at the food pantry on Wednesday, we were unloading what we got from, uh, MANA, which is the organization that we buy food from. And, uh, we were only able to buy about like half of the amount that we usually buy. Like MANA just doesn't have the food that they usually have. And I don't know what in the food chain is breaking down. I don't know if people are hoarding, I, I don't know. Uh, but we didn't have a ton. But before the truck got there, we were all just waiting on the truck to get there because it was late. And uh, somebody was talking about COVID-19 and she said, well, you know, it's the plague. And I said, I mean, like, it's, it's, as, it's almost as scary as the plague, right? Like this is a, it's, it's a big important thing. And she says, it's, it's a punishment for sins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I stopped because I didn't have a response to that. She goes, you know, it's just, it's a punishment for their sins. And I said, well, you know, children can get it. So, so I don't know that, that they have done anything to, to, to earn that. Trying to like maybe logic, like get a little logic wedge in. She goes, Mm-mm, it's in the good book. It's all over the good book. This is a punishment for sins. And I said, well, I, I just don't think of it that way. And she said, well, well I do. And you're not going to change my mind. So don't try. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I- and I actively want to believe that sinners are being punished, in, including the babies who are getting it too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I, I, and then I, she talks a little bit more about it um, and talked about, I don't know, something that led me to be like, well, you know, like it does, it really seems like it's um, kind of the consequence of our past decisions coming back to bite us, right? Because we haven't invested in healthcare in the way that we should and we weren't prepared for this in a way that we really could have been and and all this kind of stuff and and I was like so I mean like in that way I mean it feels like I it feels like it's a real real consequence for past past bad decisions past sinful decisions on the part of the powerful and the wealthy and she was like yeah exactly it's a plague I I and then I had to leave it at that because the truck got there. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I just I did not know what to do, and a lot of our food pantry volunteers are people who came to the food pantry in the past and now are in a position to volunteer at the food pantry, which is great. Like I'm happy to have them help. I'm happy that that um that they wanted to be involved in it and all this kind of stuff. But they a lot of them go to the Baptist church up the road. Uh, different from the other Baptist church up the road whose pastor I have not met and who's real nice. Um, but yeah, so they, I am now really concerned that that's what their pastor is preaching because there's, I, there's kind of a folk Christianity in the region of people who, you know, just grew up in, in a Christian ethos and like went to church when they could, but mostly like everybody in their family worked and, and, but the church they went to was hellfire and brimstone. And so they're putting it together from the Christianity. They were just kind of that they grew up with to say, well, you know, this seems, this seems like a a biblical plague and we need to figure out who, who to blame for this so that uh, it gets directed at the right people. (laughs) And I, 
oh, oh, it's like, it, 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 it is my mission in this world to counteract that type of Christianity. But boy, when somebody wants to believe it, they don't let it go. No, I, uh, I, I understand that. I guess there's a particular kind of, um, oh, I don't know, a particular kind of psychosis that goes into uh, wanting God to make people suffer. Hmm. Um, which, which I, I think maybe we've all experienced in some form or another. What, what are our, um, like, like I think that like one of the most difficult um, and and troubling commandments of Jesus is, um, and teachings of Jesus is is his teaching on justice and forgiveness. Um, because I think one of the one of the real lessons that that Jesus is trying to teach us is um, we should always be a little um, suspicious of our desire for justice mm. because it could because it's probably tainted by our desire to see people suffer um, and 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 which is why I think Jesus commands us to err on the side of forgiveness. Hmm. Um, and I think, but I honestly think that's true. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think that's. Um, doesn't mean we don't work for justice or or whatever. But I think that that sort of justice, sort of in in the vision of Jesus, is um, different than than the kind of Western justice that we sort of live in a lot. Um, and we don't always, I think, do a good enough job at differentiating because, I mean, I think about, uh, um, what we joke all the time about eating the rich, right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> and, and, and I like joking about that. And that's, you know, I guess justice, like, like, I, I don't know, like, and yeah, we're just joking, but, but not so much. Well, we would get justice. pretty, it's, it's retribution. Right, it is retribution. Yeah. And if we were better at teaching about uh, avoiding retribution, we'd be Quakers, right? (laughs) I I suppose you're right. I suppose you're right. But I do think that's important. Like, I do think that, I do think that's one of those kind of very hard and um, not really always clear products of the teaching of Jesus surrounding forgiveness is, is, is like, okay, well, well, why do you want justice? Like, like, why, why do we want it? Is it born out of a similar desire to see uh, God make people suffer? Um, sometimes I think about that. I don't know if that's true all the time. I'm, I'm not trying to make a, a, a claim, you know, one way or the other on that. I, I'm really not. But, but I know that's true for me. Yeah. You know, I know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I know sometimes when I, I, my prayers for Donald Trump (laughs) are actually not, I hope he repents. Mm. You know, Mm. my prayers for Donald Trump is, man, I hope he disappears. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, and, and that's, I think very, really true. I think that's really that's really true of of many of us. Um, well, that's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This this go for it. I'm sorry, Joe. I I think if I had the time, 
and the the spiritual wherewithal i would spend some of this quarantine time writing uh prayers actual genuine prayers for the well-being um and repentance of trump and his cabinet and his staff i started a prayer like that I, um i was going to one of the marches in like 2017 and i had gotten to a place early so i like stopped in a starbucks remember when we could just stop in the starbucks and I uh, <laughs> and i got like a blueberry scone and a coffee and on the back of the scone bag that it came in i like started writing a prayer for donald trump uh and it said like i talked about um forgiving donald trump uh and and I would love, I wish I had kept it, but I threw it away in a rage one time. I think around the time that we started putting kids in cages, because uh, I just couldn't forgive that. And but like at the time, it was this prayer of like, I, I know what Jesus is calling me to do. Let me write this out and see like if I can do it. And I think that like, that would be really profound soul work for me to, to try to write that genuine prayer. But I also think that in order to have the political will to do anything about this situation, <laughs> I mm -hmm. like, I don't, I don't trust God enough for God to make a change quick enough to, to solve the problems, you know? Sure. So, sure. And, and I wonder, you know, I wonder if Bonhoeffer thought about that, <laughs> with the plot to kill Hitler. Like, Ugh. should we just be praying that, that Hitler converts? Or, like, is God not going to work fast enough? Sure, sure. And, and I think all of that makes it, um, you know, very uh, – that, that's a struggle, is all I'm going to say. Like, that's, that's the biggest struggle, I think, for people like us who, who – are ultimately not being um, directly materially affected in the same way as others mm -hmm. by some of this. Like, I think that's our biggest struggle is um, when we're living very messily in, in, in a fallen and terrible world, how do, how does our theologies kind of fit in with that? How does God, I mean, that, that's not always the question, like, how does God act? How really, how does God act? If, you know, if we say God only acts when we act, then, uh, you know, which, which is what a lot of late 20th century theology ends up arriving at, right. you know, that, that we are God's hands there. God has no other hands, but our hands and, and stuff like that. Um, if we are the body, why are his arms healing? Right. Right. <laughs> I forgot so, about that song. <laughs> so, Casting Crowns didn't realize they were, uh, they wrote a song about um, radical postmodern theology. <laughs> oh, and man, uh, man I, I hope they are listening. We probably, they'll probably <laughs> sue us for that. Um, casting but Crowns, anyway, tell us what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Casting Crowns, we're, we're, all of you, the whole band. <laughs> What if we just change this podcast into interviewing like evangelical influencers? Oh, <laughs> just tearing. I don't, how how many do you think would come on? <laughs> <laughs> well, if we call them all chickens and be like, "Listen, you're you're clearly not strong in the Lord if you don't come on our podcast." That's right. How will you know your faith is powerful unless you test it? You must convert with us. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, y'all. Um, of God's trials. <laughs> right. This is your Gideon moment. 
or some. Don't they love that? They love that stuff. Anything to make them feel like heroes, right? Yes, like exactly. God has called you specifically for this point in time. No, <laughs> That's right. I am the hero of my own story. <laughs> but actually, God is the hero of our story because God calls us all. But actually, God is the real hero here. I am but a vessel. I am just a sinful wretch. Sometimes I look at myself in the mirror and I flagellate myself. Oh. Uh, hmm. You know that prayer that um, that people will pray before they preach that like, may I decrease and may God increase? Um, yeah, I never pray that. I don't either. And I, I know that it's something that is something that's really hallowed in the African-American tradition a lot of the time. Uh, and I know that there are like, and I know that other Protestant groups have used it too, but I just find it to be, um, when I pray it, it is, it's got a lot of barbs on it. Like I am not good enough to be doing this at all. So like spirit speak through me and that, right. and I'm really torn up about that because like I matter and I'm important <laughs> and I'm not more important in God than God, but like God was with me as I was preparing the sermon. Like this is not just, just me deciding to come up here and like stroke my ego, you know, even though despite in our last episode, we talked about how preaching strokes our egos, but a little bit. Well, but I know what you mean. I do like, particularly now that I am a preacher, we're talking about preaching and particularly now that I am a preacher, that um, prayer, because I know exactly what you mean. And I've seen it live and I've done it back in the day, uh, back when I didn't believe it, but I, but I thought it was a, good thing for people to hear me say um it made me feel very holy uh you know now now it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because you're right like we're i a we are writing these sermons so like god i i i don't think god has written it and handed it to me but right. b we also trust that god is guiding us and speaking to us as we are writing these sermons so like this whole idea that like now now at the time of speaking it you know the the physical act of saying it out loud is where the sight of god's divine inspiration is is i think a little odd yeah yeah i mean and i for in traditions that are doing more extemporaneous preaching then like you know, you are really leaning on the spirit to give you some words. I mean, you've done study and you've done learning ahead of time and you've probably thought about an outline of what you're going to say and all this kind of stuff. But like it, it takes something to pull you back and keep you focused if you don't have something in front of you doing that. And I just, sure. yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to single anything out with that. It's just that unless you are that, unless you genuinely believe that like, like Thomas Aquinas at the end of his life, when he gets the beatific vision and he's, uh, he realizes that like everything he's written is like straw and whatever. And that, that from, uh, from most people would seem like a false humility, but it really seems like he was shook to his core and realized that like all the work he had done did not encapsulate the beauty and the wonder and the power of what he had seen. And right. so unless you're at that place, like unless you really believe that there is something so much more profound than what you can describe, then like praying that prayer is, it, it, it lends itself to kind of a false humility. 
but I, I genuinely believe that there are people out there who like believe that they have given their best, but they know they golf between their best and an actual description of God and what God is doing. And so they're praying for God to like beef it up. And I, I that's, I guess that's good. I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, but that like, for me, that lends itself instead of like trust again, trusting God's power to do something in a moment. It just lends me to feel crappy about myself because I didn't try hard enough. <laughs> and I, I feel that. Yeah. I, I that's what that. I've been thinking a lot this week. Um, cause my week has been a lot of, a lot of zoom calls. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm on the district vitality team. And so we have been kind of updating our plan had been focused around general conference, but now that general conference is pushed back to 2021, we, and now there's an immediate crisis. We feel like those churches who are floundering, this is what the vitality team here is for, right? Is to help resource churches and guide people through things and all this kind of stuff. And since I know how to work Zoom, I've been the um, the person who like gets on a Zoom call with somebody and kind of walks them through everything that's there. But we've done meeting things with that. I've had meetings with my missional network because we're going to do Holy Week together. Um, they're going to do Maundy Thursday. And all I really have to do at Maundy Thursday is uh, we're doing Messy Church. Have you heard of Messy Church? I, I know all about Messy Church. Do y'all do it? No, I wish we did. We we do it really well if people would just, you know, stop being cowards. <laughs> but because we would, we have some good uh, children's ministry people that, that would really make that fly real well. But yeah, I love Messy Church. So the church that is up the mountain from us that is still somehow part of our missional network, they're only about 40 minutes away. But there's, we have, there's two counties right beside each other. And uh, there's only one Methodist church in each of those counties. And then my church is right on the line of one of those counties. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I got looped into, into this group. Uh, but so we're kind of spread apart, but we work well together. Um, and they're, the ones up the mountain from us are so well connected and so well resourced because uh, it's a husband and wife ministry pair. And uh, cool. the husband has been in ministry for years and years and years knows all of the organizations to apply for grants to knows uh who to connect to like we're working on affordable housing and stuff like that or we were before all this happened uh and knows who to like reach out to and and like what hurdles we're going to have and which county commissioners we can lean on and all this kind of stuff it's it's fascinating uh but the the wife of the husband wife pair is a deacon who's been focused on children and youth ministries the time that she's been in ministry and so they've been doing messy church up there and so we're going to try a virtual messy church uh, and see how that works. So basically we're going to send out kits for stuff that they wouldn't have around the house, which is not a ton of stuff. It's like palm branches. Um, right. And then uh, we'll have different tables set up and we'll just like move the camera from table to table as we do the activities and have them do it along with us. So all I have to do is to do ba- what's basically a science activity that they turn into a Jesus activity and I'm here for it. <laughs> So Monday, Thursday sat, but we have done, we had to have a long conference call about it because the lay leader at the other church in the missional network is a very nervous person. And, uh, she's had so many questions and, uh, the next town over, if you don't have a North Carolina license plate, they are like pulling you over and asking for like proof of residence and all this kind of stuff because the county's closed. Uh, and you're not supposed to be there. Like the, you aren't allowed to come vacation there right now. 
Um, so, so Ian's here. And so I told Ian that like, if we're going anywhere outside of town, we have to use my car because his car has uh, Virginia license plates. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah. Um, but so we had this long conference call about it where we planned out all the details. And so that took up a lot of my week. Um, and then I, for Good Friday, I was going to use the Good Friday stuff that you sent me. And then it ended up that it duplicated a lot of the messy church stuff. So, okay. yeah, so I'll do it if I'm doing it on my own next year, I might try to do that, but I don't have any kids. So that's the other part of it. But so I decided that, um, that we would write lament psalms as like my kind of activity part of Good Friday. Uh, okay. So I'll go through like why, why lamenting is okay. And then we'll have people write their lament psalms and then encourage them to like dig a deep hole in their garden or near a tree or something. And then like bury their lament so that like, cause they'll write it on paper and that's fine. So that like, as it decays, it'll become part of the soil that like new things will grow out of uh, and then do a good Friday service. Cause I, that's the thing that I think a lot of clergy groups have named really well that I don't think is filtering down outside of the like uh, educated group into people who don't have master's degrees and sit around and think about things all day is that right. we have, we've lost something really profound even before the peak hits and even before like the massive number of deaths hits us, we've lost a sense of safety and a sense of normalcy. And we're not mourning that. We're just kind of keeping calm and carrying on. A lot of Americans are. And, and that's where a lot of the resentment comes from, is that they're afraid of that mourning. They're afraid of acknowledging that things are no longer normal, and the normal we have is not a normal we're going to go back to. Right. And so I want to do, I've gotten a couple articles on how to talk about lament with kids. And so do kind of a family friendly lament thing and then have resources to send parents because it might, this might open up big questions for kids. And so giving parents the app, like some, some help <laughs> as they read through that. And then we're doing a 24 hour prayer vigil with the district vitality team that I'm not organizing, but I did sign up to do the Easter vigil part of it <laughs> at the end of it. Um, and because I was going to try to do Easter vigil anyway, and now I have a whole bunch of churches that can help me out with it. But, and, and then after that, it's Easter Sunday and I don't know what I'm doing for Easter. Like we were going to do drive-in church, but we just got guidance from the governor that we can't do that. And so mm. I like, I have no idea. I just, we're going to do our big Easter celebration after like the day that we come back together and gather together is when we're going to do like a full Easter service, which I think is going to be good. And it's going to be powerful whenever that day comes. Um, but like, I don't know what to do for Easter itself. Like I'm tempted to just do like a nine 30 in the morning service out by the river and have it be kind of like a, a sunrise service level of, of effort. And then yeah. just, a day and then spend the day like after that calling in and checking on people and like wishing them happy Easter and I think that'll be better than me trying to do anything fancy but like my entire week has been in front of the computer and I had a point on uh on Monday where I'd had like lectionary group in the morning and then I had therapy and then I had another planning call and I just like lost it by Monday evening I was like I can't with any of this and then we played mm -hmm. our uh, online game thing that uh, me and Nick and Angie and Corey have been doing and Good. Ian was there and so I let Ian do a lot of the heavy lifting because he created a new character 
who is a, a detective who wants to fuck everything. Uh, and so <laughs> we can't, we can't let that go live. <laughs> we can't do that. A detective who wants to fuck everything. Oh, good. Yeah, Corey just let that happen. Just like he let me be a divine in the first game and then realized it was going to screw everything up. <laughs> yeah, my friend Corey. Our We're friend gonna, Corey. Corey's going to have to do something to make Ian's character deeply sad so she doesn't hit on everything in existence. Uh, but yeah, it was so that was a trip. But I was just like, I was exhausted at the end of Monday and I hadn't left the house. It was just all of these online meetings. And so like today I'm gonna go out and like weed eat the yard and mow and do all that kind of stuff. Cause I after this, I don't need any other people interaction because it's just been a ton of people time. Yeah. And that's and that's surprising because we're all supposed to be separate. But I I have done more interactions with people that are like honestly phone calls and meetings like this are more draining than just being face to face with someone because I like I'm constantly trying to make up for the lack of real like physical and facial cues you know I'm just like sure. I'm on I'm on overdrive somebody said the word um over functioning in a meeting that i was in because we were talking about what we were doing and talking about self-care and stuff and it was trying really hard to not over function in this time and i'm like oh right i remember that word from pastoral care and counseling i've been over functioning this whole time well, <laughs> and now i'm realizing go. that i have to stop perfect yeah Sorry, that, that that turned into a long kind of rant about my week. It's but you're like what you said at the beginning is right. It's not that we're not working. Like despite the fact that the past two weeks we've been talking about how great it's been to not see people. <laughs> like right. <laughs> Holy Week is next week. We have so much stuff to do. Like oh. I had a church council meeting on Monday. That was the other thing that I had on Monday. And it ended up being like an hour and a half because it took them all so long to get on Zoom. And then it was just me talking. I was like, so here's what I'm going to do. Here's all of the online stuff that I'm going to offer. And here's how we're going to all get a hold of it. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, is that fine? Do you have thoughts? Would you rather I did something else? And uh, then I got to the pastoral care piece of it. And I was like, it can't be all me. I need people to be checking in on people. And they're like, okay, we'll do that. And I'm like, okay, so, but like, are we, what are we? And they're like, we'll take care of it. And I'm like, but I don't trust you to take care of it. Cause I know there's people falling through the cracks and they just, they were full of, um, they were just kind of absorbing information and not giving me anything back. And that's partially my fault because I move a million miles a minute. And if you're going to like partner with me in something, then you have to jump up on my level and they are not prepared to jump up on my level, which is my fault and not theirs because I should be where they are. But oh, it's, it's been a lot of like, I know how to do technological things. I know how to plan stuff. This is all in my wheelhouse. And I, um, really what I need is permission to do these things, but I also would really love somebody else to partner with me on doing these things. And there's right. just not another person who's capable. Yep. I'm with you. So that's I'm struggle. with you. And it makes it, it makes the work harder. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're correct. I don't know where we go after that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> I mean, like it's, I, uh, 
I, I crave normalcy again, um, but everybody, everybody is, I think, you know, and I, this, one of the things about this job that has always sat uneasily with me is um, that it uh, does not lend itself to a schedule. You know, right. there, there's not a routine necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I've been okay with that um for a while because i'm able to have uh routines in other ways right yeah and now though all of those are are off your your comment about uh remembering to mourn and lament this kind of new this change right this new uh um lifestyle that we all need to have uh, lament our old lifestyle because we have a new one is, an, is a, I think, a really powerful one. That's sort of what I preached on this past Sunday where I talked about, you know, how all of us are going to have to relearn how to be human again. Mm-hmm. Um, because cause currently we're, we're being human in a way that we we're not used to. Um, and, and that's part of what is making this so, ugh, you know, for, for everybody. Yes, it's the fear. Yes, it's the, it's the you know, restriction. But, but it's mostly that, wow, I'm, I'm not being human in the way I used to be. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, that's hard. That's, and, and there are a lot of folks who, who are still going to work, who, you know, are central workers and, and stuff like that. And there, there's a, a different kind of set of, things I think they're experiencing than, than other folks. But I think it's the same principle sort of across the board. Um, and I think that that's really difficult. I think that um, we have not begun to really think about all of the ways around the world is everything is different now. Yeah, yeah. And it's not going to go back to the way it was before because it just can't. Because no. it just can't. You're right. Or, or I don't know if we've really thought about all the ways that we're kind of a little traumatized now or, or a little, you know, how, how things are going to look moving forward. You know, I, I think what's, what's probably more likely, different folks have said, well, you know, maybe, maybe this will be a big wake-up call for our culture, for other cultures, uh, regarding um, prioritizing the health of people over property. And I'm like, well, of course it won't be. <laughs> are you, are <laughs> you kidding? Yeah, we, we, we've, we've sung this, a similar song before. Um, I think what's more likely is that this is just going to continue the stranglehold of evangelical and right-wing populism. That um you know this is just going to lead to more people thinking that it's the end of the world mm-hmm. more people thinking that um this is sort of a, a thing that is beyond human capability of fixing or or living in and so we need to deregulate everything so that we can live in the fullness of human freedom whatever that means and, uh, you know, I think this is sort of not to be a doom and gloom guy, but, but Trump has got this in the bag. He's, he's just going to win uh, because of this. 
Um, and you'd really think that the opposite is true. <laughs> <laughs> you would, you would, but come on, He's like, caught. like that's. Yeah, the two hundred thousand American deaths is the is the best case scenario, and the idiot who let that happen is going to get reelected. Oh, now I can't share yeah. this on my Facebook because I shared my true thoughts. <laughs> I've been, I was true. We can take a few minutes at the end of the podcast right now and and just share. Uh, bash Trump. Let's bash Trump. That'll be cathartic. Okay. Oh, no. So no, no, no. <laughs> we can do I that think... after we're done recording. <laughs> Fine. But it, like, um, the, the thing with that is that um, even though we take this opportunity to like rant and and get stuff off our chest, we're we're doing all that in a really honest way that I think demonstrates for other people the the honesty that we all kind of need to bring to conversations about yeah. our, our jobs and things. But at some point in time, it just becomes us. Uh, not modeling the best behavior. Like I think that we model <laughs> right. good behavior, but bashing Trump is not modeling good behavior. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Um, yeah, I think though that um, this is uh, this this isn't really going to end. Yeah, the quarantine will end, and you know things will will be able to go to restaurants again or have gatherings again but but i think we will discover that by and large uh there are a lot of things that are sort of unrecoverable Mm -hmm. and uh i i think that'll be the case for the majority of churches you know i i just don't think there's any scenario in which churches go back to uh wherever they were prior to all of this um good or bad. And uh, I, I think, you know, every time there's a crisis or, or a big change, like, like I'm, I'm always surprised how quickly we're, we're ready to kind of throw out rules, um, mm. which is fine. Like, like people are more important than rules as we know, but it's uh, it's really interesting just to see um, the stuff that everybody thought, they believe was really important is really just not that important. Yeah. Um, and that, that can be both really good, but, but it, I think it's also shown to be kind of, kind of scary and kind of bad. Um, you know, yeah. Well, the Methodist I- church, the Methodist church has thrown out all kinds of rules. Uh, and, and I assume they expect to go back to those rules, but I don't see why. You know, let's just never have general conference ever again. We ha- it's the only business body and it's the only body in the church that can make the business decisions that have to happen. It sets the budget. You can't have a, you like, we have we're, to, have we're going to have, we're going to have an entire year without setting the budget for the next quadrennium and we're going to be fine. You'll see. No, you'll see. No. Everybody's going to be like, Oh, everything's fine. <laughs> you know, chances are all of our annual conferences are going to be pushed uh, back. I guarantee you that my annual conference will be after July 1. And we're going to be like, oh, so we really didn't need to have annual conference to finalize the setting of appointments? Oh, well, what are we even doing? 
Oh my goodness. You just, you are ignoring the importance of celebration and ceremony and settling no, people I, into what is no, a horrifying job. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Um, uh, the folks who, you know, are going to look around and go, who, who've never thought conference was helpful, you know, just like the folks who never thought government did anything are going to do, you know, that's just their MO. That's just how it'll be. And it will work, you know, because, uh, it will work because we've laid the groundwork for it in the past. So like all of those years of doing this, now we know what needs to be done and we can do it without this, but we would not have known had we not done it before. You don't have to yell at me for this. I'm on your side. Are you, know, you? you need to you need to call your you need to call your your uh, uh, right wing and WCA colleagues and explain to them that I have <laughs> that not we still that. need all. I of don't this. know who they are. That's probably good. <laughs> but, but no, yeah, I, it's the that's kind of the the reason again why we bash libertarians so much is that the only the uh, libertarianism is only possible because the rest of us did the organizational work that allows it to happen. That's right. Uh, if you were under the, if you were over the age of nineteen and you're still a libertarian, it's time to grow up. <laughs> that goes for all of my colleagues. We maybe also didn't model good behavior in that moment. <laughs> no. But you can't be on your best behavior all the time. I know. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you develop neuroses, my friends. That's had- that's true. As Ian has been here, I've been walking around the house, turning off lights after him and closing cabinet doors after him. And like, I know that it should be fine. That light's on a little longer, but I can't. I go and close it and turn things off. I'll never recover financially from this. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I, for the funeral that I did last week, uh, we each got paid $50 because I roped Ian into singing for it, which was great. And people really appreciated it. Uh, but I have, I used, uh, part of my $50 to buy beer afterwards. <laughs> and I was like, sure. I don't know. Uh, and then, um, we've like since just spent it on like takeout food so that we can like tip people in cash. <laughs> so. Good call. Good call. I'm begging. So I go to a barber in town who just started up his barber shop like last year. And, and if he closes, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, because he's my barber. I was like, well, I can't go find another barber. Like, like it took me, it took me 25 years to find you. (laughs) You Like I can't, I can't find another one. And so the next time he's open, when all this is done, I'm just going to hand him like a hundred dollars and be like, just the usual, please do not close. You know, like, like I can't, I can't handle it if you close. Same with the coffee shop. I cannot handle it if you close. If you close, why am I even here? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, we have a good coffee shop in town that um, laid off all of their staff so that they could collect unemployment because they just, they can't open and they can't pay them. Uh, right. and there's a fundraiser to help. It's a coffee shop bookstore. And so there's a fundraiser to help the bookstore part of it so it can like prep up the coffee shop part of it. And they're good people and they, they made the right decision. And I... I wish that I was made of money. Sometimes the other day I thought about like, what I just need a million dollars. Like we've talked about before. Somebody just give me a million dollars and like how set I would be and how much I would be able to give away. And just like how many of my worries would be gone. If I just had a million dollars. That's true. 
hey, man, money can't buy happiness or something. Yes, it can. I've, I've known that was a lie from the beginning. I mean, the, is- reason, the reason why Ebenezer Scrooge is miserable isn't because he's rich. Right. <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge is miserable because he's a miserable old man. <laughs> right. I mean, they even give you an example in the in a Christmas Carol of uh, the is it Fezziwig who's in charge of the company? Yeah, throws the party. Like that's how you be happy with money, right? Is you give it away. Right. Like, come on, I'll take the money. Money, please. Like, I'll have it. Right. No, I, I'm with you. Well, this was kind of a funny little uh, check-in episode. Yeah, but I think it was good. Time to time. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Well, friends, if you if you stuck with us this episode, and I hope you did, this has been another episode of What the Hell is a Pastor. We are Ethan and Joe, and we will see you next time. Hey, listeners, a quick update on programming this week. We're going to be dropping an episode today, the one that you're about to listen to. And then we'll also be dropping one on cars. Tits!